Hi, and welcome to When Bad Things Happen to Good People, a podcast about censorship in the arts. My name is Oren Barter. With me, as always, is Todd Sullivan. Hello! And today we're going to look at uh, Antoine, it's a little hard to say, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry's children's book, The Little Prince. Yeah, that, that author pronunciation is exactly why I asked you to take it. <laughs> You're like, if to... someone's going to fuck up, it better just be you. <laughs> exactly. Everybody expects that, so we'll just hand that <laughs> off. No, I didn't even, I, I, didn't, I didn't have his name written down, so I wasn't even, I wouldn't have even been prepared to say it, so I'm... The only reason I remembered it was because, like, I Googled it 20 times before the podcast just to bring up all, <laughs> just everything. I kept calling him Alexander, and I was like, why isn't it coming up? But it's because his name is Antoine. Was oh, that, Antoine. there you go. Yeah, that's a that's a good uh, life hack for using Google. Is uh, use the spell right whatever name. you're searching for properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, use the actual actual name. Mm-hmm. It helps. It tremendously. Yeah, that and uh, um, uh, quotation marks. If you're looking for something specific. Yeah, well, quotation marks make sure that those those words appear exactly in that order. Yeah, and rather. Yeah. Than in any order at all, right? I like when you're like Googling something, you type it in, and then you just get a bunch of like search results that have nothing to do with the main key thing you were trying to search. It's like the only thing missing from all of the search results is like the number one thing you were trying to find. I love that. Mm. <laughs> I love just starting a Google search and, and seeing what comes up as like suggested ways to finish it because you get some odd stuff in there sometimes. In fact, there was a period, I don't know, it's probably like 10 years ago now where people were like doing Google poetry where they would like type in the beginning <laughs> of a phrase and then they would screenshot like the next four suggested things and like turn that, in. that would be the poem, right? That would be the poem. Yeah. Well, here, I'll, let me just do a quick Google poem here. What should we search for? Um, um, what is the meaning of? Okay. What is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of symbol? What is the meaning of love? What is the meaning of life, the universe, and everything? That's not bad. That's that's the poem, yeah. That's not bad. How you doing, Oren? Um, I'm doing okay. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> I'm glad. Me too. How are you, Todd? Uh, oh, I was... I was Oh, you were going to ask sure me another you question. Ask. I wasn't. Oh. No, I wasn't sure you were going to ask. I was waiting. And, oh, uh, no. I, I wasn't, and then I was like, it would be rude if I didn't. <laughs> so I thought, ah, I'll throw him a bone. Uh, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm a little bit tired these days. As I think you saw, I've been spending some of my recreational time uh, engaging with the anti-vaccination community on Facebook. Oh, isn't that fun? And isn't that it's so a little, fun? It's a little exhausting at this point after 18 months of this, and uh, yeah. and now being in British Columbia here on the verge of the vaccine passports coming next month um this just being a continuation of you know this this whole thing this whole problem existing because of people who have been denying the science and avoiding the vaccines and like, complaining about masks and everything else yeah it's and now like, they're just using guys, they're using their own consequences as evidence mm-hmm. which is doubly infuriating 
Yeah. Yeah. So I've that just, is why today yeah. my coffee has a little splash of uh, chocolate mint Kahlua in it. So. Gotcha. Okay. Gotta lower those stress levels. Or whatever. <laughs> but other than that, I'm doing pretty good. We're, uh, I've been busy, hard at work on the, um, the Tell a Story Hive project that we've got going on over at uh, Half Cut. And uh, I think we're finally finished shooting that, except for uh, doing the intro and outro stuff. So I've just been sort of madly editing our visit to the Sagebrush Theater for ghost hunting. That was wild. That was fun. Um, it'll be out on Telus Optic TV in the fall. Uh, I'm not sure when quite yet, but sweet. Been having a ball. Nice. Anything exciting going on in your world? Uh, I'm back on the wagon. So cool. right now I'm drinking tea and uh, CBD drink. Instead of oh, alcohol. Nice. Yeah. Well, tea is nice. CBD is nice. It is. Yeah. Gets me mellow. Makes me tired. Makes me want to eat. So Those good. are all some of my favorite things, like, you know, <laughs> relaxing and eating. Relaxing uh, and eating. Yeah. Those are two of my favorite things. And not, uh, you know, being, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Hungover? Just completely frozen with existential dread. That's nice when you don't have to do that. Well, what are we here to do? Um, yeah, we're here to talk about The Little Prince. Which... We're, here to, we're here to chew bubblegum and talk about banned books, and I, sir, am all out of bubblegum. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about a banned book then. Let's do it. Um, yeah, I guess we'll talk about the why it was banned and how it's different from other books that we've done probably after. Yeah, this... Um... Yeah, you spotted, I think, uh, the last episode we did, or maybe the one before that, that uh, this book was banned, and you were like, I want to do this one because you're a fan of this book. And uh, and it wasn't until I actually looked into it that I, in, in discovering that it was banned, that I realized that it was banned for slightly different reasons than most of the the ones that we've done before. And most of the ones we've done before are, like, content-related. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one's a little bit different, but you go ahead with um, how you want to approach the book. Yeah. Um, I mean... It's uh it's a children's book. It's very different from anything else I've ever read. It's I think a very unique book. Um not a whole lot of structure involved in it. Seems to go in a lot of different directions. Um yeah. introduces some zany characters that just kind of float off into obscurity after they're introduced. Um some real kind of throwaway conversations um that don't really help the plot but are just kind of these sweet little i don't know it's it's a very interesting book um yeah it was um it was not what i was expecting i'd never read this book before and i knew literally nothing about it uh and i didn't even like google it at all before reading it so uh, i didn't know what to expect and you know when you hear a title like the little prince you assume it's going to be about like some prince in some kingdom on, <laughs> yeah. the, you know, some place either on earth or in a fairy tale place. And it's not really that. And, um, it's also like my takeaway. I've, well, I shouldn't say my takeaway. Cause I actually had this idea about halfway through, even before I got to the end, it was like, this seems like a lot of words just to say grown up sure do have weird priorities. Yeah. That seems to be kind of the underlying, um, <laughs> The theme of the book. Yeah. It's like, like even right from the beginning, the narrator himself is like, you know, yeah, he tried to draw this picture of uh, an elephant inside of a, a snake. Well, he wanted to draw a and, scary picture because he heard that like a snake will eat its prey and then digest it for like a month. 
Right. So he was like, he, he wanted to draw the scariest picture he could draw. So he drew a snake that ate an elephant. And all the adults were like, what are you doing? I don't want to see this picture of a hat. Yeah. So then he drew uh, drawing number two, which was kind of an x-ray shot of the snake with the elephant in its guts. And they didn't like that one either. So he gave up on on his career as an artist. <laughs> and also sort of gave up on grown-ups understanding the things that kids do. It's like, wow, grown-ups just don't understand. Well, maybe if you learn to draw better, kid. <laughs> um yeah so that's kind of how it starts out uh talking about his early love of drawing and then how he kind of gave up on that and he went and did you know regular school stuff like um reading writing arithmetic geography and then he says that he's a pilot so geography actually came in handy mm-hmm. um and he actually was the the author was a pilot um, yeah, so he's drawing from real world experience there, and he he had a crash fairly similar to uh, the one that this character uh, has in this book too. He ended up mm-hmm. crashing in the desert. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's that's where um, I don't know how long it it hangs on the adults are weird. <laughs> um, he, he talks about how adults love numbers and how numbers really don't mean anything. Um, feelings have more value than numbers, but you can't talk to adults in that way. You have to use a number. You have to be like, you know, I like he talks about this guy who discovered a, a little asteroid and he named it some, I can't remember what it was. And nobody took him seriously because he was dressed different and the name he gave it wasn't like scientific. And uh, he went to the neck, <clears throat> he went to a different conference and he was forced to wear like Western attire, and I mean, obviously, this isn't true, right? This is just for the book, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think this is true anyway. Um, and he gives the the asteroid a, a number, uh, B something, and everyone's like, "Oh, that's an amazing discovery! Congratulations!" Um, so, kind of early on, he sets this like uh, this um, idea that. People are hung up on the wrong things. Yeah, he does that same kind of example with a house um, where, you know, he's, he gives the example that if somebody tried to explain the house as like describing the the, the shrubs on the lawn or like the kind of um, siding it has or anything like that, the grownups would be like, you know, I don't, I don't know what kind of house that is. But if you were to go and say, oh, I saw this beautiful house for $20,000. Or it was uh, a million. It was a million dollars. I'm pretty sure it was twenty thousand dollars. No, maybe they because I was like, that is a really low number for a house. But then this book was written in like 1930 something, I think. So 1940 something. Yeah, this is uh, just before the end of World War II. Yeah, few years. So, before. but the point is that like I I would have gotten a better picture of the house from the actual description than the money description. So I don't know what <laughs> he's talking about or what parents those are that, or what grownups those are that he's talking to because. Uh, I think that's a bit of a straw man argument there myself, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, but that's the that's the kind of theme he wanted for the book. He was asked yeah. to do a children's book by his publishers, um, and this is what he came up with. And it was, yeah, that's how he introduced the the grown ups in this world. Um, so yeah, after he introduced. Um, his drawings and 
his uh, displeasure for for adults. Um, he says he kept his like drawing number one and number two with him, and he would show them. And if they'd be like, "Why are you showing me this drawing of a hat?" He would put the drawing back in his pocket and then discuss politics, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, like in common things, adult things. And the person you were talking to would be uh, very happy to meet such a reasonable man. Yes. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so then he he ends up uh, crashing in the desert, um, with no tools, no one around, um, a limited supply of food and water, and he comes across a blonde, curly-haired uh, little boy who turns out to be the little prince. Not not the sort of person you would normally expect to encounter in the desert. Yeah, and the first thing he asked him, he's like, "Can you draw me a sheep?" <laughs> right? He just so right it. out of the bat, this prince is clearly used to like just getting his way. <laughs> Hello, sir. Draw me a sheep. <laughs> chop chop. <laughs> um. So like, he doesn't know what to make of it. He 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 decides to to draw a sheep, and uh, the prince says, "No, no, no. That one is much too big. Uh, it needs to be smaller." So then he draws another one. And the prince is like, no, no, that is not a sheep. That's a ram. See, it's got horns. And then he draws a third one. And uh, the prince goes, no, this one's sickly. I want a young one that's going to live for a long time. And it, the third one did look a little old. <laughs> um, and then so finally he he's frustrated. He just draws a crate with some air holes in it and hands it to the prince and says, there, your sheep's inside that crate. And the prince goes, oh, it's perfect. <laughs> It's exactly the right size. It's nice and young. It's a perfect sheep. Um, kind of going back to that ele or elephant being swallowed by a boa constrictor, right? Well, I think too. It's it's the idea that the um, the imagination is able to create whatever you, you want it to, right? Like if I draw a sheep, then your imagination is locked into whatever that version of the sheep is. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I draw a box and tell you that there's a sheep inside that box. Um, you can create whatever picture of that sheep that you want to, and that sheep can then be perfect. And then, if I put a, a, a nuclear pellet with a half-life in that box as well, and the box has a 50% uh, chance of either releasing that or not releasing that, Schrodinger's Schrodinger sheep. sheep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, from there, I think um, the little prince starts... I mean, I guess the guy draws a few more things from him, but really, the, the story is... Um, the little prince sort of telling his stories of bounding through the universe because it turns out the little prince is not actually from Earth. And yet, yeah, the, and uh, Antoine had to figure that out. He he didn't know, like, the prince wouldn't outright say pretty much anything. He wouldn't answer any questions. So based on what the little prince would say to him, like, no, no, my place is much too small. I can't, I can't have a large sheep or, you know... Um, I want to see the sunset. And he's like, well, you know, it's in the middle of the day. We're not going to see a sunset. And he's like, well, where I'm from, I just turn my chair and then I'm looking at the sunset instead of the sunrise. And um, so he just kind of pieces all this together. Mm -hmm. um, and then they just end up spending like more and more time together. And he's trying to fix his plane and he's getting frustrated. Um, and... Yeah, then it kind of jumps. Yeah, like you said, to to kind of describe the little prince le leaving his home 
asteroid and and yeah bounding um across the yeah universe or galaxy or solar system i don't think that's really yeah, whatever it is, <laughs> whatever um, it is yeah. from what i recall his planet was basically it was very small like mm-hmm. you said you could watch the sun go down and then turn your chair and pretty much watch the sun come up again immediately there was one flower on it mm-hmm. that had thorns and it was so it was really vain it, it was like it thought it was the only flower of its kind in the universe and it would lie and to make itself seem more important than it is it would say that it wasn't afraid of tigers <laughs> it was an interesting rose it was beautiful it doesn't need to be afraid of tigers though because there were no tigers there were on no tigers the little yeah. prince's planet so and there were also three volcanoes one of which was dormant but you never know you never know and they were small <laughs> enough that he because he talks about using the volcanoes as footstools too yeah he used the dormant one as a stool um, and then he, yes, the chimney sweep, his three volcanoes, uh, the two active ones, and then the dormant one, because you never know. Yeah. And, uh, cause every time he talks about it, he adds that little, because you never know. It's true. Um, and then he has to dig up all the baobab, um, saplings. And if you don't know what a baobab tree is, they're in, uh, Africa, I believe those great big white trunk tall motherfuckers massive trees um and of course on a planet that you could walk around in a matter of minutes that would not be a good thing to have growing there yeah you don't need too many trees on a planet like that no i i think yeah zero baobabs would probably be the best <laughs> <laughs> so he has to dig up the baobab sh- shoots um sweep his uh sweep his volcanoes uh water his rose or I guess sorry, we don't know what's a rose at this point. It's just water his exactly flower. Spoiler alert. Um, and then he, you know he gets he gets kind of sick of the flower. He gets kind of tired of her and her her vanity and her cutting words. Um, she tears him down, and she's very needy. She needs him to cover her at night with a glass dome so she doesn't get cold. Right. 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 Um, and as much as she tries to say that she's, uh, strong and not afraid of anything, she really desperately needs assistance in a lot of things. Um, and I actually read, and it, it, obviously it's anything like this, if it doesn't come from the author's mouth is just, you know, hearsay, but uh, a lot of people believe he was writing about his wife, that the oh, rose really? was his wife. And she actually wrote a book called, uh, a tale of the rose after his death. Um, so yeah, so he, he gets tired of the rose, um, and he decides to, to go see the universe. So he, um, catches a ride with a flock of migrating birds. <laughs> yeah, as you do. I mean, how else are you going to leave an asteroid? Space birds, space birds, yep. space birds. Um, and uh i don't have a list of the planets that he goes to i could bring the book up and we could run as a super short each one is like one page yeah uh he gets about like i don't know seven or eight different planets yeah i mean i guess we don't have to go through them in order we could just talk about our favorite ones i would say my favorite one was the king who thought he ruled over everything 
but would only give demands that were reasonable. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because because if he ordered something and it wasn't reasonable, then it was his fault, not the other person's fault. For, and, and, you know, that's pretty smart for a king, I will say. Yeah. <laughs> to, to demand that, like, you grow an extra arm out of your head is not uh, is not a reasonable demand. And if, if your subject cannot do it, it's more uh, it's more his fault than yours. Yep. Or, but it also, it's like a double-edged sword too. Cause he's like, the prince is like, well, what do you rule? Do you have power over the stars? And he's like, of course I do. The stars listen to me. I just can't <laughs> ask them to do anything that they can't do. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, and so the prince asked, I will to command see the sun to come up as long as I do it at exactly the right time. Yep. Exactly. When, when, when conditions are favorable. <laughs> yep. Um, so uh, yeah, so that was, uh, I thought that was a silly little thing. I think my favorite was uh, kind of in the same lines as far as silliness goes. I like the geographer mm. who uh, doesn't know where anything is because he's never been anywhere. <laughs> he's he's not, he's not an explorer. He doesn't go out and find things. He's just the geographer. He's the one who keeps track of these things when people bring them back to him. Yeah. And since no one has done that yet, he doesn't know he doesn't any know, geography. <laughs> he doesn't even know the geography of his own planet. Yep. The prince is like, are there any mountains on your planet? Oh, I don't know that. Are there any rivers on your planet? Oh, I don't know that. <laughs> yeah, that that was pretty funny. Um, and then the drunkard. That was kind of sad. Yeah, the drunkard who drinks to forget the shame of drinking. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, that's their description of it. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, exactly what he says. He's like, why do you drink? Because I'm ashamed. And the prince is like, what are you ashamed of? Drinking. <laughs> <laughs> and the prince is like, okay, good luck with that. Bye. Um, that reminds me of a comic strip I did once where a character was like, I drink to forget. And the other person says, what are you trying to forget? And the other guy says, I don't remember. Must have worked. <laughs> Must have worked. But I got to keep going. Otherwise, it might come back. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, there's also a narcissistic man who only right. wants the praise, uh, which comes from admiration and being the most admirable person on the otherwise uninhabited planet. Yeah. Uh, I'm reading these from Wikipedia. He's the wealthiest, That's... handsomest, most admirable man on his planet. And the yeah. prince says, you're the only man on your planet. He's like, well, that doesn't matter. I'm I'm, I'm still the best. Right, exactly. So that's kind of like uh, Little Fish Big Pond, or Big Fish Little Pond. Uh, then there was a businessman who is blind to the beauty of the stars and instead endlessly counts and catalogs them in order to own them all. Mm-hmm. And a lamplighter on a planet so small, for right. the last a minute. Oh no! Yeah, the poor guy. He couldn't get any sleep because all he, yeah, all he he's could. Just, yeah. <laughs> he's like, it used to be nice. It turned a lot slower before, but it just keeps getting faster and faster. I wonder if that was like a, a euphemism for um, the the modern world. Yeah, like the industrial revolution, the uh, the way things speed up as we've made technological progresses diminished our quality of life, right? Um, and then, so the geography, I think, was the last planet that he went to before heading to Earth because yeah. uh, the prince is like, I want to meet some friends. I want to go on an adventure. And the geographer is like, well, I've heard of this place called Earth. Go check that out. Yep. So he does. So he does. And Down the way to Earth, uh, lands in a desert, meets a snake. Was that? Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, that was the first thing he met. Was the was the snake who told him that he could take him home? He could, yeah. Which I doubt. 
I doubt that very much, Mr. Snake. Well, doesn't that isn't that what happens at the end though? Yeah, so I think you probably read the book as most people read it, um, thinking that the prince went home. Um, when I read it the first time, I cried. Uh, but we'll get to that. Okay. All right. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, it's very sad, and, and Orin cried. Yeah. Um. So he decides to hit a road. He knows all roads lead to people. I don't know how he knows that. There was, was there roads? He's never been on a planet with a road on it before. Yeah. And wouldn't the, wouldn't any, the weight of gravity just is, crush him? How would how does he understand the concept of people? Yeah, how does he... He's never even countered a planet with more than one person. Yeah. And I mean, can, he can just breathe our air? There's a lot of holes. There's a lot of scientific lot of plot holes. holes in this book. A lot of holes, exactly. How did he communicate with the space birds? Maybe, space birds don't speak English. Maybe he was just really good at lassoing. <laughs> Just like, whoosh, 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 wah, space birds. Um, so he comes across uh, the snake, and then he finds uh, rose bushes. Right. Yeah, he finds rose, rose bushes. So thousands of flowers, just like his flower. Yep. And they're all super vain. <laughs> um. And then, yeah, that's when he realizes that his flower isn't unique at all, and yeah. And that makes him sad, so he starts crying, and then he meets a fox. Yes. And the fox wants him to tame him? Yes. Yeah, which was which was odd. He's like, I know what we can do. You, you should tame me so we're not strangers anymore, and then when you go, I'll, I'll miss you. That sounds fantastic. Well, I think that's that's part of the the bigger picture of, um, and this connects to the rose too. This idea that by by caring for a single thing, mm-hmm. you you make that thing unique and separate from what it is as a whole of other things, right? Yeah. The the flower on his planet is unique to him and is special to him compared to the the bunches of roses. Yeah, because he spent because time it was something he one. took. Yeah. Yes. And that's also the lesson he takes by taming the fox mm-hmm. and learning to, you know, that the fox will miss him and he'll miss the fox when they go their separate ways. And that, and I think like the thing about the wheat and being golden, like his hair and how, whenever he looks at wheat now, it's just wheat. It doesn't mean anything to him. He can't eat it. It has no use to him. But after knowing, or he, and it's weird that he has like this kind of, foresight (laughs) into what he's going to miss about the prince as soon as he meets him but yeah so the fox says uh but once you tame me i'll look at the wheat and i'll remember you and then the wheat will have meaning to me so yeah yeah that's kind of like a there's a lot of sweet sentiments in this book Mm -hmm. um yeah and then he goes and sees the people and i don't think he likes them much (laughs) No, there's um there's a railway switchman who is um you know basically tunneling or moving passengers from one place to another, except nobody's ever satisfied with where they're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like everybody so from moving. from position or point A wants to go to point B, and everybody from point B wants to go to point A, and nobody's happy wherever they are. Basically, is what it is. Yeah, 
It's like the, you know, the, I don't know if it's a joke or what, but you know, the, the idea of like, you're in the military and some, your, your superior officer's like, go there, dig a hole and you go dig a hole. And he's like, okay, go fill in that hole. <laughs> right. And it's just, it's a waste of time. Your, your life is meaningless. Uh, you're just moving from one place to another, unless you create the meaning for your life by, you know, having a special thing, having a rose, you know, taming a fox. Like these mm-hmm. are the things that actually give your life meaning, I think is um, what the book is going for from these comparisons. Yeah, no, for sure. That was a very Canadian uh, saying. It, yeah, no, for sure, eh? Yeah, no, yeah. for sure, How eh? does that go? It's uh, like, yeah, no, for sure is like, absolutely. Um, yeah, no is no. No, no but yeah. there's also no yeah. Yeah, which is yes. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, no, for sure. Um, next, he encounters a merchant uh, who has invented a pill uh, that eliminates the need to drink, saving people exactly <laughs> 53 minutes every week. Yeah. And he's like, what are you going to do with that time? <laughs> and the, and, drink, and the, well, the little prince was like, I think I'll use that time to walk slowly to a water fountain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so he doesn't get any water pills, which would have been very helpful in the desert. Yeah, because of course our our narrator and I shouldn't say main character, but the narrator is uh, is at this point. You know, we cut back to the the present day in the desert. Uh, it's the eighth day that they've been there, and they're both very thirsty. Um, but the prince is like, "Let's go look for a well," and uh, the, the other guy's sort of like. I guess we might as well. We don't have a better idea. Well, I think he starts off. Sorry, I'm yawn, mid-yawn there. <laughs> I think he starts off. Uh, the prince wants to draw him, wants him to draw him a muzzle for the, the sheep, so the sheep doesn't kill his flower. Right, right, right. Um, and is that it? I think I might be mixing two things up, but I know he does get quite upset with the prince at one point. Like that doesn't matter. I'm thirsty. I'm I'm dying. I need to fix this plane. I need to get out of here. Yeah, um, yeah, and the prince is like, "You don't know anything about what's important. Somewhere out there is a flower that needs me. Um, it's the most beautiful flower, and that's what's important." And then, yeah, he's like, "Okay, let's go look for a well." Uh, so they do end up looking for a well, and they do manage to find one out in the middle of the desert, um, much to their much to their uh, excitement. Uh, and then they talk about how how sweet the water tasted. I'm not sure if that was because of, I mean, obviously to an extent, it's because they haven't had water in eight days mm-hmm. and that's going to have, but I think there was something else there too. There was too. a like few different like things. Yeah, I think it was the fact that they found it together. Um, mm-hmm. The fact, and, and being together, looking for the well, looking for water um, and needing water, all those things made it very important. Um, and the sound of the pulley, the squeak of the pulley, um, was like music, you know, you waiting for that water to come up, that anticipation, mm-hmm. right? Um, all those things kind of led to that being a real bonding moment for the two of them. The Antoine starts to get this weird feeling. Um, the prince says, like, this is where I came here a year ago. Um, I need to... And so, yeah, now, now the, everything's going to be aligned for me to, like, get off the planet again, right? Right, that's what he says. Um, and then he tells Antoine to go, um, work on his plane. He needed to stay there. So Antoine leaves, um, reluctantly, uh, goes to his plane, manages to find the one part that he really needs, um, and is excited to tell the little prince the next day. He heads up to where he left him. He finds a little prince, um, up on a, 
on a in the painting anyway he was up on a wall talking to somebody and he couldn't see who he was talking to and he was the prince was saying are you sure it's not going to hurt too bad and you know all this stuff kind of like we, we were set up pretty early a lot of foreshadowing with the snake um and he finds out that it was a snake it was a very venomous snake that he was talking to um and he kind of pieces together what the prince is planning um and he tries to talk the prince out of it the prince says um this is just a body what's truly important is invisible and then the snake bites him and he dies there was something in between there i thought i mean i can't remember what it was though I, I don't think there's much of anything. Not, yeah. It's the conversation they have. And then he's like, sort of like, um, what does he say? The Wikipedia says, the prince consoles the narrator by saying that he'll need to look at the stars to think of the prince's lovable laughter and that it will seem as if all the stars are laughing. Um, and then he wanders off and the snake bites him and he falls down. Right. Uh, and then from there, I think the, um, I don't remember if the narrator goes back to his plane or stays there in the desert, but... Um, the next morning he tries to look for the prince's body and can't, can't find it. Um, returns to his plane, which he did manage to repair and, uh, and flies home again. Um, but he doesn't only hear laughter when he looks at the stars because he doesn't know because he forgot to give the prince the picture of the muzzle. So he doesn't know if the prince is up on his... No, it wasn't that. It was he gave the, the prince the, uh, the picture of the oh, muzzle, but he had drawn he it wrong. There wasn't a strap yeah, on it. Yeah, he didn't add the strap. <clears throat> so the, the muzzle wouldn't, couldn't be attached to the sheep, mm-hmm. and so he has no way of knowing whether the sheep maybe did eat the flower one day, or you know maybe, yeah, there's all these sort of questions in the air right. of what happened with the sheep and the flower. And the, I mean, personally, I don't think the sheep that exists... Flower. Only on a piece of paper, and even then, only inside of a box on a piece of paper, whether that sheep is capable of eating a flower in reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's a bigger question than I'm prepared to answer <laughs> right now. Um, yeah, so he, he looks at the stars. Sometimes he hears laughter. Sometimes he hears crying. Um, and he tries not to think about the the rose dying and the prince being sad about that and yeah i mean and then he does sort of i guess the very final lines in the book are that you know if if you find yourself out there in the middle of the desert and you encounter a small person with with blonde hair who doesn't answer questions then <laughs> uh, it's a great description of it's him. possible you've encountered this little prince as yeah. well now, regarding his his death slash, you know, return home, which is sort of what you were talking about mm-hmm. earlier, where, you know, there's sort of two ways to interpret it. And for myself, I kind of interpret them both at the same time. Like, my read was that, yeah, he got, he got bitten by the snake, but he, his, where he came from was a place more like the drawings on paper. Mm-hmm. His time in reality was really only spent on Earth. Oh. So when the snake bit him, he, he releases this, this mortal form of himself and then returns to his plane, which is a more imaginary plane. Okay. I didn't see it that way. Okay. I mean, I just kind of assumed within the scope of the book um, that the prince was real, that his... Asteroid is real because Antoine does say that he thinks he figured out figures out which 
um, asteroid was his B612 or something like that. Um, but when I, I, it didn't hit me as hard this time because I've read it a few times. But I know the very first time that I read it, um, it just, the, the, the reality to me was the snake tricked the little prince, told him I could send you home. Uh... Right? And the little prince believed him and ended up um, basically committing suicide. That's very dark. Yeah, man. that's why I cried the first time I read this book. It's it's very dark, and I don't think that lines up with anything else this book is trying to say. It doesn't, but it's just so sad. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, certainly if you look at it that way, but that's why I'm arguing maybe for a different interpretation, because... Um, but some... It, I, I don't think... Some do huh? say that uh, Antoine was quite depressed, and they he may have committed suicide. In his final crash. Uh, yeah, so I mean, let's let's talk about the fact that um, Antoine uh, disappears eventually mm-hmm. like over he, the Mediterranean. Was, yeah, um, yeah. He um, so because before we get to that, we should talk about why the book was banned, okay. um, and it's because uh, he was basically uh, kicked out of France. Well, he he left france he left france yeah. but he was um he was in exile like france was basically fuck off don't yeah come because back. france at that time was governed by let me see if i can i think i've got it up here um vichy france it was like well so france france had signed um an armistice or a, like a treaty with uh, nazi germany yeah. during the war and uh, antoine was having none of that he's like fuck this i'm mm-hmm. out of here and, uh, and and France was like, fine, uh, don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. And uh, and so he was basically not allowed back in France. And France went so far as to be like, this book you wrote that everyone thinks is so awesome. Well, we don't think it's so great and we're not going to release it. Mm-hmm. F you. Yeah. Which is, yeah, like you said, very different than any other reason we've had for a banning on this show. But it's, it's also interesting because it is, in a way politically motivated in in which is similar to a lot of the bannings is that they are in some ways political and mm-hmm. in this case it's just political because this is a, a a writer who is opposed to the current political regime in in France which in in this particular case is connected to the Nazis who I think we all kind of acknowledge now were terrible people yes um and then, to my understanding, not long after finishing the book, he ended up signing up with some kind of um, military group or like volunteer military group in the U.S. Even though he was, it was the yeah the free um, yeah what was it the free something of France. So it was they were all um, pilots from France um, mm-hmm. flying out of South America, I believe. And he he disappeared on one of those mm-hmm. flights. His body was never found. Somebody mm-hmm. did find his uh, bracelet. So it's very similar to... I'm not saying that he had pre-planned for his bracelet to be found or something stupid like that, but it's, uh, it's an interesting um, union of reality and fiction there. It is, in the same way that, yeah, you know, the little prince just kind of, you know, got bit by the snake and then disappeared. Um 
you know, you could say that Antoine was bitten by the snake of Nazi Germany and then disappeared. Yeah. He never did get to see um, his book published in his home country, which he loved. He loved France. Um, I read a lot about, um, and I, I think I want to read some more of his books because this one is very interesting. Um, I really, you know, I, I can't say that I thought this was a particularly great book. I stand by my position that it's a lot of words to basically come to the conclusion that adults have priorities. <laughs> um, and that's, I, I do think that's the overall message of the book. And that includes things like, you know, you don't, you know, you're, you're too worried about, you know, oh yeah, you've invented a pill to say 53 minutes of time a week, but you're not no one has any plan to do anything like fulfilling or enriching with those extra 53 mm -hmm. minutes. So what was the point uh, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's better to get that drink of water and have that experience of the, the sweet, cool water than it is to say 53 minutes that you're just going to spend, you know, cataloging more stars for no reason. Right. right. But I will say that I thought this book was very well written structurally um, I found it very lyrical. Um, I found it kind of almost, oh, what's the word I'm looking whimsical? for? Like it was a very, it was very light. It was musical. Whimsical. It was, um, I don't, yeah. whimsical. Yeah, that's another good word. Um, which struck me as unique as well, because I don't often, and I haven't read a lot of books that have been translated, but in the ones that I have read, you don't always get that same sense of lyricism because... It's sometimes the job of translating a book is just to sort of take that foreign sentence, which probably was lyrical in its original right. language, but now you have to make it mean something in a different language, which may not have that same lyricism just because the words aren't yeah. there. So maybe it's the simplicity of a children's book that gives you know, the person doing the translation more wiggle room in picking the right words. But I did find this was for a translated book exceptionally uh, interesting to read from a from a language sense, mm -hmm. and it's been translated into three hundred different languages. Well, I didn't think they were going to stop at just one. <laughs> but did you think they were going to go all the way to three hundred? Uh, well, I think they would. There's a better chance of going to three hundred than to stopping at two ninety nine. You get to two ninety nine, and you're like, "Fuck, let's get one more." Come on, yeah, <laughs> get an even number in here. I wonder what the three hundred. I'm not going to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably you probably that's probably one of the things you couldn't find on google maybe you could let's, let's try okay what was the third riddick film no 300th language that the little prince was translated into Oh, I, I, yeah, a North African variant of Arabic, Hassan, Hassania. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, there you go. You can find everything on Google. I guess you can. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I don't know. This book hits a certain key for me. It's not like, yeah, like mm. you say, it doesn't have a particularly profound message, I don't think. Um, at least, at least not on its surface. Um, but I, I do find that there's just something in the way that it makes you feel. Um, mm. and then maybe I was in a particularly, uh, 
vulnerable state when I read it the first time, which is why I I took the the darker interpretation. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, that roller coaster, that emotional roller coaster from reading it then, um, is not something I'll ever forget. This book is always gonna just be there in my in my memory. Well, and right? I think you know there are for everyone there are certain whether they're books or films or TV shows or or albums that that hit you at a particular time where it it connects to you in in a unique mm -hmm. way where you're always going to have a unique connection to that that piece of art that maybe not everyone else would i remember i, I read a book in my early 20s that um like really connected with what i was going through at that time and i gave it to a friend of mine and said like man you got to read this book because it it like it'll help you understand sort of like what i'm feeling mm -hmm. right now and he read it and was like i'll, I'll find it <laughs> Um, and, and that's fair because he was obviously not going through that mm -hmm. sort of thing. And so it couldn't connect to him in the same way. Um, and, and both interpretations of that book and both reactions to that book are, are perfectly valid. It's just, um, yeah, sometimes we just happen to be going through something where it makes a piece of art bigger or more, more what it is, more, more of what it is, or I don't know. No, I, I, yeah, I, what you're talking about, I, I don't you get what about, I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, cause not every, nobody experiences the same thing the same way. And yeah. like you say, depending on where you are, um, and like I said, like maybe I was particularly vulnerable. Um, I, mm -hmm. I don't really remember. It was quite a while ago. Um, but yeah, I, I'm glad you enjoyed it though. I don't think you had the same kind of roller coaster as I did. Um, but I am glad to hear that you enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I, I certainly wouldn't. I don't regret having read it at all. It's not um, the Turner Diaries. It's not the Turner Diaries. The bar by which we will compare everything, I guess. You know, at least it didn't go there. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, I, um, I I enjoyed reading it, and uh, and this sort of caps off our our summer look at yeah at children's books, which has been an interesting experiment. Um, I think next episode. We will be uh, endeavoring to go live and do kind of a wrap up of our of our summer reading <laughs> program. Uh, yeah, we'll look back on on the, the the children's books that we've we've read and what we take away from it, and uh, yeah, maybe what what we've what we've what we've learned <laughs> on the journey. Growing up sure are different. Uh, do you have right? Yeah. Um, do you have much more to say about the little prince? No, not really. I liked it. Uh, the life of the author is super interesting. Uh, the timing yeah. of the book is tragic, with you know him never seeing it in his home country, never seeing the war end. Um, yeah, I mean the dude ran away from his home to fight his own country. Um, basically. To, to fight for the things that he believed were were right and yeah never got to see that come to what's the word fru fruition is that yeah. just like is that just is fruition well, now just that like you put a it like that now i'm is it like is that what's spelled now i'm r-u-i-t-i-o-n fruition fruition <laughs> okay yeah i believe it is <laughs> so it's like it is basically like the fruits but but Frudion was just yeah, too it, it weird to say, to so fruit. we just had to say it fruition. 
Okay. I'm sure that's what it was as they were sitting there at the table coming up with words. We've invented the word frution, sir, but we, we don't. <laughs> I think it's weird to say. You have any thoughts? I'm um, sorry, I cut... <laughs> frution! I cut you off. You were saying, um, after I said it the way that I said it, you were saying something. Oh, we're talking about the life of the author and, like, I never got to see the... You know the the end of Nazi Germany and like blah blah blah. I was like, well, so when you put it like that, that really does make the story <laughs> seem especially sad. Because uh, he wrote he wrote this he wrote this. When you look at it, when you look mm-hmm. at the the core of the book being about this idea that grownups are focused mm-hmm. on the wrong priorities, and and really, what is war but like taking the wrong priorities to the extent that you exactly. really murder people over them? Um, and so that that a this guy never got to see the end of those sorts of wrong priorities. And again, never get to see his book about embracing the right priorities released in his home country, which he loved, um, and letting his people, who I guess he must have loved as well, experience uh, that story of what he thought were uh, more important priorities. So, yeah, that's now I'm bummed out. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. Uh, Yeah, but uh, I think that's it. Yeah, so uh, you can catch us September 13th. Uh, We'll be discussing um, this book. Uh, all the other children's books that we've done, basically just the podcast up to this point. Um, so if you would like to join us on Podbean for that, um, you're welcome to call in. Uh, you can ask us questions over text if you have the Podbean app, um, and you can call in as well. You can also call in if you have the Podbean app. We would love to uh, talk to listeners live. That's sort of one of the highlights. We don't mm-hmm. always get a lot of callers, but it is yeah, sort of one that's of kind of the, the do, main so. reason we uh, we want to do the lives is to have that interaction. So. If you've got anything to say at all, yeah. call us and say it. Yeah, and so that'll be uh, 7 p.m., Yeah, right? 7 p.m. September 13th. That's a Monday. Yes. Uh, until then, if you want to uh, check out more of our stuff, uh, some of our merch or ways to support us, you can go to the website blah, 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 media.com. That's B-L-A-H, 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 media.com. You can support us via Patreon, buy me a coffee, or through some of our uh, cool merch available. You can go uh, pick up a uh, Go Read a Fucking Book t-shirt, um, maybe a mug. There's definitely throw pillows that say uh, Go Read a Fucking Book. Um, I, I would say maybe maybe a fun contest if people want to do this, like, Go buy a, a go read a fucking book throw pillow and just find different places in your community where you can like sneak that throw pillow in. Like, you know, maybe leave one in a uh, in a in a store in a mall, like on a sofa there, or you know, just find some places where you can just sort of hide these things. I, mean, you got, I guess it's a lot of money to just take something and abandon somewhere, but um, if if you felt like doing something fun, maybe you don't have to leave it there. Just take a picture of it yeah, on a, on a like, sofa in go. the bay, and then take a picture and then uh, bring it home with you. That would be um, fun. But that's about it for me. Um, um, yeah, so this has been When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Um, I'm Oren Barter. I'm Todd Sullivan. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And as always, go read a fucking book. <laughs>